Welcome to the Jig Is Up podcast with your hosts, Darcy and Jason. The Jig Is Up is recorded on the traditional lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy, as well as the lands of Treaty 6 Nations. We aim to bring you new perspectives and open up conversations about Métis politics, culture, and current events, as well as stories that affect Indigenous from all over. If you like the show, or you don't, or if you want to send us suggestions for guests or topics to discuss on the show, feel free to email us at metispodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us on all of the social media at Métis Podcast. Welcome back to The Jig Is Up. Today, Jason had the chance to sit down and have a fantastic conversation with Dr. Michael Bouchard. Dr. Bouchard is co-author of Songs Upon the River and Bois Brûlé, the untold story of the Métis of Western Quebec. Dr. Bouchard is currently working on the history of Canadian and Métis in British Columbia and the Northwest Territories. I hope you enjoy the conversation. However, due to a technical issue, it was cut way too short. We will definitely be working to get Dr. Bouchard back on the show to continue this conversation. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Jig Is Up. I'm Jay, and uh, today I have with me Dr. Michael Bouchard, Professor of Anthropology of UNBC, and co-author of the new book, Boy Welcome to the show, Michael. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure being here. Yeah, glad to have you on. Hey, so we uh, hear that you got a new book coming out. It's already out in French version, and it's coming out in English. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Yeah, it's a sort of the Bois-Bourlais. So it's looking at, I guess, uh, a community in Western Quebec, precisely in sort of the Maniwaki region. I guess uh, just to the north, I guess of, I guess of Ottawa. So it's nice. So the book does it primarily focus on just that community? Yeah, so, well, I guess what we're, I guess so we, we're doing, I guess the, the research, I guess uh, looking at, in a sense, what is the historical evidence for the existence of a potential historic Métis community, I guess, in this region, and especially looking at how it was tied into the larger sort of continental process of, I guess, of the fur trade. Of in a sense, you have I guess the free traders, in a sense, of what they were called, I guess, the free men who set up, I guess, uh, on, I guess, um, I guess, just outside the fur trading posts, who act or work as interpreters, as I guess, as as I guess, Hudson's Bay Company employees or employees for the other fur trading posts, and then will often, in a sense, will then, I guess, with very often, I guess, indigenous wives, I guess, or Métis wives, will then, I guess, establish themselves and start doing being free traders, and I guess, in their own right. So for those who aren't familiar, whereabouts is this area geographically? Yeah, so it's what, uh, what I guess, it's just, I guess, um, if you look through, I guess, I guess the, the Ottawa River, I guess, uh, which is, I guess, the region which uh, Lutawe, I guess, the more, I guess, the French term, is just, you have, I guess, a number, I guess, the smaller rivers that flow into, in a sense, I guess, into the Ottawa. And what, I guess, uh, and you have, in a sense, I guess, uh, the fur trade, in a sense, it, you know, continued in this region well into, I guess, the, the 19th century. So it's part, I guess, on, on the, I guess, on the entire side, of course, you also have, I guess, the Lake Timiskaming, in a sense, uh, you have, I guess, the Matawa River. So these are all part of one larger region, in a sense, where you had kind of a very active fur trade. Nice. And so what's, what time period are we looking at here in the, in the course of your research? Uh, well, specifically, the, the main focus, in a sense, will be, sorry, I guess, the, you know, the, the early, I guess, the early part, I guess, of, I guess, of the 19th century, so the early 1800s, because it's something, in a sense, which is not, um, is not necessarily, I guess, 
uh, known as in certain ways, I guess, in this region was very much kind of what was still described by, let's say, the I guess the, the fur traders, I guess the Hudson's Bay Company, I guess officials and others was still part of the quote unquote the the Indian country. So, so in, here in this region, it is still a region in a sense where you will have, I guess, First Nations communities. I guess you'll have, I guess, the fur trade. You have, of course, beginning of the I guess 1799, early 1800s. You have the beginning of the forestry industry I guess, in this region. But the fur trade will continue well into the 1840s and later. So we're specifically looking, of course, at this region before, in a sense, I guess, before you have, in a sense, I guess, the very, I guess, the what the effective control where you have, in a sense, the the incursion of more, I guess, the the colonial and later, I guess, the state, I guess, the state uh, state authorities, I guess, authority in this region. And so, when you said that you were looking for um, historical evidences, what kind of things were you looking for? Well, what are we doing since I guess uh, was I guess looking at it from very much kind of a I guess an academic scientific perspective, which is say here we have to define in a sense the criteria of what would in a sense I guess what would define let's say a historical Métis community from an anthropological, a sociological, a historical perspective. So we would take we we started I guess a starting point I guess research done I guess by I guess uh, I guess Raymer and Chartrain in Ontario, where they came up with, I guess, uh, seven, I guess, seven criteria to, in a sense, to see whether there would be, in a sense, I guess, uh, I guess, uh, would be, in a sense, the existence of, I guess, such a community. And we added, I guess, an, an eighth. So we're just, we were trying to come up with, a, with the criteria to say, if we can find these traits, then at least we have kind of, I guess, uh, more kind of a, objective, neutral criteria to, to judge, I guess, the evidence, I guess, that we, I guess, that we will find. So, uh, I'm not sure if you know off the top of your head, what are those seven or eight criteria that you use to determine if the the community was historically valid? Yeah, so, so, for example, the first one, of course, you need some, of course, I guess, the indigenous ancestry, so, I guess, which is a given for any, I guess, Métis community. You have, in a sense, I guess, uh, looking at a sort of a shared, I guess, a shared individual experience, in a sense, I guess, uh, so, in a sense, individuals who are, in a sense, raised, in a sense, with, I guess, uh, with, I guess, you know, in a bicultural kind of, I guess, context, in a sense, where they serve as intermediaries very often, in a sense, I guess, either as interpreters or intermediaries or traders between, let's say, First Nations communities and more, I guess, the uh, other, I guess, the, the, I guess, the trading companies or later on, I guess, more the, the settler communities, uh, sort of a cultural, I guess, uh, I guess, uh, recognition either from outsiders or, I guess, by themselves, looking at kind of, I guess, more the social structures, whether it be sort of kinship or, I guess, uh, forms of, I guess, uh, of, I guess, whether it's, I guess, the, um, I guess, no, no groupings, whether in small, small hamlets or outside of the fur trading post and, and other forms, I guess, more, I guess, of, of kinship, I guess, I guess, uh, and, and other, I guess, other ties, I guess, uh, some political elements. And that in- include, I guess, p- petitions, negotiations, I guess, perhaps uh, demands put forward, for example, the Indians, I guess, the, the Indian agents, or I guess, or the Department of, in- or, I guess, Indian Affairs, some geographical elements, so looking at sort of the distributions of individuals, of families, the cultural elements, in a sense, looking for something distinctive. So it's not necessarily anything that is completely new, but even sometimes it's bringing together elements of, for, let's say, for example, various First Nations communities with Euro-Canadian society and making kind of a more, uh, a newer mixture, bringing in elements, I guess, from different different places. And the eighth, which we added, was the use of 
I guess more there were no recognized Métis ethnonyms, and that includes the term, of course, Beaubrulé, but also Métis, I guess, in English, the the historical, I guess, the half breed, etc. So, so those were kind of the the eight criteria which we were kind of saying. Will we find these in, I guess, among the evidence, I guess, of the historical, I guess, historical record? And so a lot of those records, are they um, like church records? Are they oral traditions? Where did you guys go to, you know, find these evidence? I bet all, all of the above, in a sense, and I was quite fortunate we have, I guess, the, we had the exceptional team, in a sense, I guess, we have Guillaume Marcotte, in a sense, who had been, spent close to a decade, in a sense, doing research, I guess, in the Hudson's Bay Company, I guess, uh, records, I guess, from from this larger region, so he pretty much knew them inside and out, as well as looking at the records, of course, you had the missionary activity, you have the, I guess, more, a bit less the Jesuits, but very large records, I guess, from the, from the Oblates, in a sense. Uh, also, when they're going into the records, they're often the recording births and deaths and marriages, and often in little margins, they'll make notes and noting whether somebody was a mitzif, etc., as well as correspondence between, in instance, for example, say a priest and, I guess, the Indian agent and the department, in sense where you have these letters going back and forth, in a sense, I guess, uh, so, I guess, so, Guillaume, I guess, uh, and, and Sebastian. Sebastien Mallet, in a sense, put in a great deal of time and effort into combing through these, I guess, these archival sources to to look for these little, these little bits and pieces that could then be tied tied together. Also, we had the advantage, I guess, there were also a number of government reports. So, for example, there's an ex- expedition that is under the uh, under the leadership of the British military, I guess, officer, I guess, uh, Frederick Engel, who is charged with basically doing it tour of this larger region with the express purpose of saying, are there any potential agricultural lands land here? So he is being sent out, and he is you know, largely interested in saying you know, the geography, the geology of the region, describing the lakes and the soil and the forest, etc., because that was set his purpose. But along the way, he's also adding, in a sense, recording information that's almost, I guess, uh, almost ethnographic. So he has some sort of the oral history that he then incorporates in his official report that's deposited both in English and French to the, I guess, to the legislature, uh, the assembly of, I guess, of Lower Canada. And you have a number of these other, sort of, I guess, more, I guess, first-hand reports of individuals who are, I guess, who are talking about it. So we have this in terms of the historical, sort of, archival historical record. But we also have, I guess, some more the oral history as well. So, for example, we found in, I guess, in the archives, I guess, a, a typed out oral history of, in a sense, of one woman who gives the, the story of her, in a sense, one, I guess, one, one of her great-grandmothers, so in a sense, I guess, and this is something, in a sense, that Guillaume, in a sense, I guess, and, uh, and Sébastien have, I guess, have published on, and looking at, I guess, this uh, Marie-Louise Riel and, see, and telling her history. So, in certain ways, there was a history that she had received from, I guess, through her family that she had typed out, and then that was kind of that was eventually ended up in, I guess, in the archives. As well, there had been, I guess, a large, I guess, uh, research project coming out of Université Saint Boniface, in a sense, in which I guess Guillaume had also collaborated with, where you have, in a sense, I guess, Métis individuals across the country who were kind of interviewed and providing, in a sense, I guess, the, their recollections. So we were, I guess, uh, were able to have access to these, I guess, to these recordings, to this oral history, which was also incorporated into, in a sense, I guess, into the book. Nice. So it sounds like a fairly broad perspective on trying to establish a Métis uh, community in that area. Now, typically, um, when we're talking about Métis identity out west, um, there's a very um, Red River-centric um, viewpoint. 
Um, how is this, or how have you received any uh, feedback on having this kind of perspective on saying that this is a historic community uh, so far out east? Yeah. Well, I think the, this community, I think, in certain ways, what we forget is the perhaps, I guess, the spread of, I guess, the, I guess, the, I guess, the fur trade. So if we look in this particular region, there were there were a number, I guess, of I guess the fur trade, I guess, outposts, I guess, posts, I guess, or trading posts, I guess, uh, and in, in large part, it's not because necessarily the Hudson's Bay Company was making a lot of money on these outposts, I say, in the early 1800s, but in certain ways, it was a means for them to block the movement of free traders farther north, in a sense, towards I guess the James Bay region, where there was a lot of profit, I guess, uh, profit to be made in, I guess, in the fur trade. So, so they were almost setting up these, I guess, the almost like the lost leaders in the sense where the, I guess, in the, your, I guess, in your Walmart, people say we don't want to bring them in for these, but here's more kind of this is our strategy to be able to see what's going on, to be able to keep an eye on these folk, and to make sure that we can keep, I guess, our profit farther north where we are really making really making the money. So so you have, I guess, Hudson's Bay Company posts, and you have also occasionally the competing, I guess, trading companies that are also trying to set up shop, and they're trying to, in a sense, I guess, to, to, to control. So so these individuals, I guess, because they are working with the Hudson's Bay Company, you have individuals who do come from the Red River, who do come from regions farther, I guess, uh, farther, I guess, in the, I guess, in the Northwest. Or so you have, in a sense, I guess, uh, what we're trying to, I guess, uh, quite interesting is kind of this, this network where individuals who are part of this fur trade who are working at Hudson's Bay Company, they're often sent across the continent and back, and other individuals come from other are moving in. So this idea of what it means to be Bobrouli and to be to be Métis is something that is being known and communicated and shared and part of this larger this larger socioeconomic in a sense worldview, in a sense where we find the same processes, in a sense where you do have these little communities of, let's say, the freemen who have the advantage because they can go because you have Bytown that was being established in the sense of what's now Ottawa, where they can go down quite easily, get trade goods in the sense, I guess, go up to the communities, get the furs, bring them back, sell them in Bytown, get the money and start the process all over again. So so it was, I guess, a, a unique position where it was still relatively close to, let's say, to, to Bytown in order to get, in a sense, I guess, access to both money and trade goods and to be able to sell in sense the furs. But at the same time, the the communities, the First Nations communities, Algonquin, I guess, and Atikamek and others were still close enough where it was possible for them to, in a sense, I guess, to, to, to serve as these intermediaries, as these free traders. So given how uh, volatile the whole conversation is regarding um Métis, and uh, a lot of the evidences are coming out for historic communities in the eastern provinces. How important do you view your book in in uh, contributing to that conversation? Well, I think what we're I guess what we I guess what we're trying to do in a sense, and I think was what was nice because because of the great team we had in a sense, I guess we each had I guess our strengths in a sense, and we our strengths complemented I guess each other's strengths together in a sense. What we were trying to do first and foremost was trying to say. First, we have to come up with a, a coherent, almost kind of, I guess, both in terms of theory, but also important in methodology, saying, if you want to do it, I guess, this is how it has been done, let's say, in Ontario and other locations, we want to have, in a sense, I guess, where, I guess, an evidence-based, I guess, discussion, where we're saying, here are, in a sense, the criteria, this is how we will, in a sense, examine, I guess, the evidence, this is what we, we are looking for, and then we will be able to see, in a sense, I guess, to, to bring forward 
the evidence to come forward and say, here, this is the case that can be made. And because of the evidence that was found, evidence that was largely, I guess, perhaps overlooked or wasn't necessarily even examined, I guess, in the historical record, and trying to piece it together, saying, here is all the little bits and pieces of the of the evidence to show that in the sense that there was a historical community. And also, in certain ways, I guess, like, and this is perhaps, I guess, perhaps to the same strength, was trying to come up again to, to look at, in certain ways, I guess, the from the theoretical perspective and, and even trying to define how individual and sort of the community is not based simply on an individual and and individuals and families can change over time and we see this even i guess in the Pauli case in the case of the Pauli, the family over time at some time in the sense they had been accepted and incorporated into let's say they get to first nations in this community and then the reserves then they left and so there there, there was never kind of a it, it, you can never we can look simply at a snapshot at a given moment to say see they were no longer here or see the community disappeared you have to look at it from from the bigger perspective and keep in mind that these communities will often exist even though individuals may move in may move out and over generations there can be shifts in terms of of individuals and there's nothing wrong with that in certain ways i guess the, there's some individuals who historically might have been part of let's say this community in the 1840s their children grandchildren great-grandchildren were fully incorporated let's say in the Algonquin community i guess uh, the Anishinaabe community let's say of Maniwaki. And that's perfectly fine, but that doesn't necessarily deny either that other individuals who might be re- distant, re- distantly related, who were not incorporated, and who, in a sense, still see themselves as being rightfully made to. So I think, and the same thing can be said in the West as well. So we have to look at both the the complexity of social relations in the sense that social life is never easy, even in the present, in the sense when people are trying to define themselves and being defined by the outside, etc. And we must, in a sense, take a, a very, very coherent nuanced look when we're looking at the shifting over over a century plus, I guess, of history in terms, I guess, of family histories and, I guess, and lived realities. I, I think that's, you hit on a very good point there. We see in a lot of things that uh, we want to create very clear-cut, um, arbitrary lines between First Nations communities, Métis communities, and, you know, customs, traditions, you know, all kinds of things that we use to create these lines. But when you're on the ground and you're in community, and a lot of times these lines are not that arbitrary. No, exactly. And in certain ways, what usually happens, since very often since it's the nationalist narratives that want to create these clear-cut, perfect lines saying, yes, we have always been made see, and you know, the line once drawn can never be bridged. So, so, but very often such narratives don't rest necessarily account for the, the, I guess, the, the historical reality or even contemporary reality. Yeah, and we see a lot of that uh, same information reflected in a lot of the script reports uh, that come out of northern Alberta and Saskatchewan, where there was a, a lot tighter grouping between Métis communities and First Nations communities as far as living and, and tradition and, and those kinds of things. Um, so your book is out in French already. How, how's it been going? How's the book been received so far? Oh, well, certain ways, I, guess, uh, I must apologize. Sometimes you're cutting in, coming, coming out. I think you're asked whether how the book was received so far. I guess, well, the important thing is, I guess, we had kind of the honor and I guess, uh, the pleasure of going back to the community to present the books. In the sense, so we had, a, I think there were probably close to at least 
the 100 people, I guess, out in Maniwaki who came out, I guess, individuals often buying two or three copies of the books. And since then, and I think they had provided some very nice, favorable, I guess, like comments, I guess, because in certain ways, they individuals might have known bits and pieces of the history in a sense, I guess. So very often individuals, I guess, uh, enjoyed reading to see these other pieces in a sense being, I guess, that being tied together. So in a sense that it allowed there to put their family's history and at least in their oral tradition into this, I guess, the, the history that we're presenting in a sense, I guess, in the book, in a sense that was done, I guess, the, with, I guess, within, I guess, the, in, in a collaborative way, in a sense, I guess, with the, I guess, with the community. Yeah, it's always very interesting when you're doing historical research and you present that to the local community. It's a very different feel, I guess, than if you're a person like me reading the book uh, from the outside of that community. Oh, so the reaction from the outside. Well, I think it's going to be accept, uh, expected there are certainly there are two very at least a minimum of two, maybe more different camps in the sense, of course, uh, those who are in the other camp in a sense are, are in a sense, I guess, uh, looking at it quite, I guess, quite critically, and of course, bringing forward, I guess, their, their critique. And, so, and what, I guess, what we're seeing, of course, there's not only the two different kind of, almost kind of quasi-ideological camps, but also in terms of the linguistic camps as well, because this is one, I guess, the purpose of our, I guess, what we're seeking with our book, in sense, I guess, and we're quite fortunate, the French version came out with the Presse de l'Université Laval, I guess, uh, last, I guess, last spring, and the English version will be coming out, I guess, with UBC Press, I guess, this, uh, I guess, uh, this, this April. So we will have within a less than a year we will have in the sense I guess both I guess a, a French version and an English version. With the English version is somewhat of an enhanced version because with the we had a separate peer review and one to address some of the comments brought forward in the sense by the I guess in English by the peer by the referee we added some additional content in the sense of clarification, more discussion of other authors. And I think so we certainly expanded. So I think what we're looking for for the English version coming out in I guess uh, in English because. Then people will be able to hopefully read it themselves. In other words, instead of being said by somebody to say this is what was said in the English in the French book, the people will be able to go directly to the English book and read it for themselves and to look at at, at, guess, at the evidence. So, so we were consciously trying to make sure that we we were we were reaching across, I guess, the linguistic divide, making sure that people will be able to read the book in a sense both in French and in English, and therefore. Like it, dislike it, we don't care, but all we were asked for at least is they, they read it, look at the evidence presented, and then talk about what's actually in the book as opposed to what is projected onto the book. I think that's the harder challenge when you put forward any new information regarding uh, Métis identity is the perception over the reality, and we've had such a very strong narrative coming from a West-centric viewpoint that there aren't any real historic Métis communities you know, west of Manitoba, really. So it'll be interesting to see, from my perspective, because we're we're strong proponents of a, the Eastern Métis identity, to see how the book is received uh, once it comes out in English. And, and even I think certain ways, I guess there is again the projection of this idealized you no know, identity in the past. But certain people, people are pillar people, and they have to deal with their everyday reality, and they have to sometimes mask their identity. Sometimes they will, in a sense, say, no, 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 we're not quite that. But there's a the wonderful research done, for example, in Montana, where I guess where the, the Métis, where the Americans were kind of hinting, well, those Métis are actually should be on the other side. They should be in the British and later Canadian territory. So, so of course, families were kind of 
of worried that they would be deported, that they would be forced out of their homes. So under those circumstances, individuals would say, well, no, 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 we're not really Métis, we're just French Canadian, eh? So that they would kind of place, and I guess in order to protect in sense their, their livelihood in sense their, to make sure that they're found. So, so I think we... I think this idealization, perhaps, I guess, of certain regions to say, you know, this we were completely always Métis and we're always defined as Métis. Individuals will, I guess, because of circumstances, because of, I guess, whether discrimination or dangers or other fears, will often, in a sense, won't necessarily always say I was X, Y, or Z. They will do what they can do, what is best, what they think is best at a given, like I said, a given moment. So I think we, we kind of overlooked that I think perhaps there's more shared than was often, I guess, acknowledged. Yeah, that's always been true, I think, of a lot of Indigenous communities across the board as people at the end of the day still had to feed their families, put a roof over their head, and so identity and your you know indigenous background lots of time uh paid the price for trying to survive exactly and even we see it for example i guess one of my colleagues in a sense doing research let's say here in the university of british columbia you, you had a case historically you had two brothers in a sense i guess who were like today one took status and the other did not because the other was in business and he knew if he took status that all of a sudden he would be quite compromised, he'd be under the authority of the Indian agent, etc. So his business, I guess, activity would pretty much come to, I guess, to come to a stop. So I think, uh, would, so therefore, would, let's say, the descendants of this hypothetical individual not be placed in a because, I guess, uh, of a decision taken? Well, I would say, no, I don't, right? And I presume many of the descendants may have, in a sense, reacquired, I guess, status, but nonetheless, we have to be, in a sense, uh, I think you're right, in a sense that individuals have to feed their families, and often they will do what is best, given whether the laws or whether the structures or whether the, so, the, the larger social, I guess, social cultural forces at play, will try to do what is best at a given, at a given moment. I want to thank Dr. Bouchard for being part of The Jig Is Up, and I know we're both, Jason and I are both very excited to get him back on the show and uh, continue that conversation. So we're looking forward to that. I wanted to tell you a little bit about something new that we're going to try to do this week, and it's a live show where we actually have callers to the show. Uh, So it's going to be more like a radio show. Now, if you want to be part of the show or if you want to listen live, there's a couple things you need to do. One, you need to get the free Podbean app onto your device. So go to your app store and download that, and it's Podbean, just like coffee bean, um, and then on the app, you need to set up a free account and it doesn't require any credit cards or nothing. It's just basically name, you know, that kind of thing. And then, and then be sure to search for the jig is up and follow us on the Podbean app. What that allows you to do is it'll allow you to listen live during the show, but it'll also allow you to send us a request to be a caller in on the show and we can, we'll have people in queue, hopefully, hopefully, and, uh, you know, we'll get everybody on if we can. So we're going to set up the live show for this coming Friday, uh, February 14th at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So anybody that's got the app uh, anywhere in Canada or anywhere in the world can be a caller in on the show. Uh, So, you know, we're not limited to geography here or, you know, cell phone charges or anything like that. It's all based on Wi-Fi and it's all through the app. So make sure you download that Podbean app, set up your account, follow us, and you can take part of the live show on February 14th at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. But for now, I really want to thank again Dr. Bouchard for being on the show. I want to thank Jason for taking the time to sit down and and have a conversation with him. And uh, until next time, the jig is up.